Hello everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of the COVID-19 internship. Today, you'll get to hear my conversation with Michael Doom Lau, the director of brand at Booz Allen. And this is how our conversation went. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I was wondering if you had actually any questions for me before I got started with everything. No, let's dive right in. Awesome, okay. So the first question I have for you involves the past, so like previous work experiences. So mm-hmm. what has been your favorite internship or first job experience and why? I've never had an internship ever. I've been working pretty much since I was 15. Wow. My favorite job experience was probably when I led a team of program managers, researchers, and creatives in Accra, Ghana. And I helped create basically research and, and programs in Accra that years and years later would basically help propel and support the digital entrepreneurship that I'm hoping is really starting to help Accra and Ghana in general develop into an entrepreneurial powerhouse. So um, it was something that I did right before I started grad school and really helped to bring together, um, you know, my interests in brand, my interests in creative, but especially like, you know, really understanding what unlocking the potential for digital meant, especially for emerging economies. And in many ways, it informed a lot of you know, different experiences that I had there. I mean, because of that, that's how I started, you know, Fashion Fights Poverty, which was essentially the biggest nonprofit that still is, you know, I think to this day, has still maintains the honor of being one of the largest nonprofits uh, dedicated to social responsibility and economic responsibility in the fashion industry. But I started it when I was working in Africa. But it also helped me understand what it meant to really, really build a brand from the beginning, while also understanding the power and potential of digital transformation and how that could really help organizations and communities uplift themselves economically and politically. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing that you were able to accomplish all of that. And going off of that experience, what would you say were some valuable lessons that you learned while going through that? Agility, empathy. The ability to really understand what it means to not just assume that everyone is going to perceive um, a technology or even, frankly, the need for a technology the same way, in that one really needs to account for their own privilege, frankly, in their own sort of experiences and how you know, another person's experiences are going to force you to really, really tap into really strategic empathy and understanding, you know, what their user preferences, behaviors, and and activation needs are. That experience also helped me, you know, understand the role of, you know, even things like UX, UI, and the role of design thinking, and the role of what it means to really understand, you know, user behavior, adoption behavior, adoption preferences, um, everything that would eventually lead me to a career in digital transformation and eventually brand management. Right. And on the other end, what would you say were some of the hardest parts of going through all of that and the UX design and going into that? Well, when you're also dealing with, you know, conflict zones and the fact that very frequently we were, you know, engaging in communities that um, had just come out of a civil war, like, uh, or, or were coming out of you know, pretty significant political and economic strife. I think that really, you know, taught me a really valuable lesson in really looking at sort of the full dimensions, all the dimensions of a of a problem, of a challenge, which was a great set of skills to then start to build through as I entered graduate school at Georgetown. And then while I was at grad school, I was also working at Georgetown itself, um, working for the Center of New, De- um, New Designs and Learning and Scholarship, which helped me really synthesize all of that into a practice, which then led me to the positions that I had at Booz Allen. 
essentially all of this was preparation into making me a really good management consultant. Yeah, it sounds like it really prepared you. And it kind of goes into my next question, which was how did that job experience per se help you figure out how you were, obviously you're in brand now, how you love brand and maybe the type of industry you wanted to get into? Mm-hmm. Um, I think clearly what I wanted to do was understand the role of technology, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding that technology and innovation can be disruptive, both in a good and a bad way, yeah. right? They create opportunities that can create amazing economic opportunities. They can also accelerate disruptive gentrification. They can also dislocate people in really unfortunate ways. They can widen economic gaps. You know, they can both bring together people you know, across the political spectrum in shared dialogue, but they can also deepen divisions. Mm-hmm. And so I think in many ways, I wanted to enter a space where I could really examine that in a very practical way, but also then affect change and be in a position working on projects where I could really create that kind of change where technology would be used as an enabler. And that if it was if it was a disruptor, it was going to be a disruptor for good that would allow people to thrive and and build themselves up, necessarily be torn down. And so in grad school, actually, I had a thesis. Um, it was called The Virtuous Consumer, and it was all about how people at the time were using this new technology called social media to, you know, create digital protests and create digital actions to address, you know, critical social needs. And I used that basically, I uh, motivated myself to that, I, I published in several articles, and then that basically led to cadre of recruiters who basically asked if I would be interested in coming into consulting and basically using that knowledge that I've been creating. At the same time, I also had my own small business. I had a small nonprofit that I was growing. And that together basically developed a really strong entrepreneurial spirit in me mm-hmm. that then I would translate into a strong management consultant career. And I chose Guzan specifically because of its mission focus, because it was focused on helping primarily government clients and government clients, I feel, have a higher level sort of mission to do things like protect democracy, to promote, you know, economic wellness, to, uh, to promote health, you know, within the citizenry. And I wanted to basically create change in ways that were, frankly, visceral and relevant. And I felt like those areas were relevant. And once again, going back to my fundamental interest in seeing how technology can facilitate that or disrupt that, how a person like me can create, you know, avenues for opportunity, you know, Booz Allen was really the perfect place for me to do exactly that based off of not only their client work and who they were serving, but also the, the culture and the mission and the values that they were espousing. Yeah, I love that perspective that you had because I feel like sometimes people go into a workplace and they don't really know the values, just like, oh, it's a name. So I'll just work mm-hmm. for them because it's a name instead mm-hmm. of actually being like, oh, this is who I am and supporting their identity via their work. So right. that's really amazing that you were able to find that. And kind of going mm-hmm. into a transition to today, what is mm-hmm. a favorite project that you would say you worked on in the past, obviously not in your current position, and a favorite project that you're working on now in the current position you have? So my current position is as a brand director. And in that sense, what I do is I steward um a large brand, basically making sure that the brand is reflective of where we want to go as a business and who we are now and who we need to be both for our clients, but also for our workforce. And everything that I've done leading up to this was basically is in contribution to that, right? Mm-hmm. So everything from my technology work is that they, they all brands now have to exist in a technology space. Yeah. 
And then number two, everyone who comes into the brand or comes into the space needs to understand, you know, how it can both benefit them, benefit clients, benefit communities. And so I think my nonprofit work certainly helps me understand, you know, how to look at um, a brand holistically and how it represents values and how it creates change, uh, especially now in the social political atmosphere that we exist. I think you, you can't run a brand without understanding what it is, what it stands for, mm-hmm. right? And how it's going to, you know, dismantle systems of oppression, how it's going to contribute to equality and fairness, or in some cases, how it's not going to, right? Yeah. As well. And I feel like, you know, consumers such as yourself, people entering the workforce such as yourself, you know, candidates such as yourself, you are prompting changes that forces people like myself to make sure that I am always cognizant that you are going to care about those things because I care about those things, right? right? Consumers and candidates care about what a brand and what a company stands for. And so I think all of the experiences that I've had before help me create a space where that is always front and center in the dialogue and considerations for how we run the business and how we run the brand and how we execute. Yeah, I think it's uh, something I talked about in a previous interview I had with someone was how PR has become such a thing where everyone's just like, I don't trust anything you say. And it's like probably so complicated now from branding perspective to be like what translates and like actually resonates with the consumer versus Mm -hmm. people just kind of brushing it off because, oh, you're just doing it because you're just doing it. So that must be really interesting from obviously what you're working on. And going into the current situation, COVID, everything that's going on right now, how would you say you stay motivated before versus now that everything is happening? Has that changed at all? Oh, absolutely. I think if anything, COVID really forces every company. So I sit on the National Brand Council for the conference board. So I sit with several other brand directors who manage large companies as well. And we've all noticed that, you know, COVID, first of all, it changes the workspace. So my company, for example, is in, you know, basically, you know, semi-permanent telework, you know, for the time being, which basically means that, you know, we have to completely reconsider how we execute work in of itself. If we are all suddenly turning our homes into our workspaces, that presents a different sort of perspective on work in of itself, on how it should be executed and how we relate to each other as colleagues, et cetera. At the same time, it also, I think, changes how we relate to our consumers, to our clients, right? And to the communities in which we work. So, it certainly forced a dialogue in terms of how we protect our employees. You know, so one of the things that Buzelm did very, very early on was commit to investing in programs and ways that we can make sure that people stay employed, for example, yeah. that people stay protected, that people stay empowered, right? People stay connected. Mm-hmm. So whether that was, you know, investing in professional development, investing in new technologies, investing, you know, um, in the employees themselves to make sure that you are guaranteeing employment. You know, so employment guarantees were really, really important there. Uh, and that you were essentially prioritizing people over profits. I think that's a really, really important thing that COVID especially forced on a lot of companies, especially companies like ours, to make sure that if we were committing ourselves to promising that we were a people-first brand, that we really were committed to that by investing in our people and meaning that, you know, that people are more important than profits. Yeah. And, and Bruce Allen absolutely committed to that. And many of companies were committing to that as well. If anything, I think COVID was also showcasing the strength of a company's values. And more importantly, that showcasing that strength publicly was important and that, you know, companies needed to take a stand publicly. It's not like COVID was the first time it had happened. It was just the most concentrated time where you saw a lot of companies willingly basically say that it's not about, you know, selling products. It's about protecting our own. Now, whether or not some companies did that, you know, authentically, 
that they followed messaging with action is not always necessarily consistently displayed that every single company followed their commitments you know to to social impact with actual like demonstrable mm-hmm. action but a lot of companies did yeah. so i would like to think that if anything covid was a a flashpoint in how people were really 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 managing not just their brand but really their commitments right and in doing so managing their brand and their perception as well. I, I will say that how we've been managing COVID has been a great way for us to communicate our brand to our clients, to, to our communities and to our candidates in a really positive way. And it also forced us to examine, you know, how we work as a firm, especially then leading into what would happen, you know, soon afterwards. And that was with the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of the, you know, the social uprisings that, are now fighting you know to dismantle you know systemic oppression and to address racial equity i think in many ways think what we were doing with covid and it set us up i think really well to also then have those really really critical conversations because then it was yet another thing that we had to take a stand for mm-hmm. um i would say like two months ago my first brand council meeting was all about covid and then we had another meeting just last week and i purposefully made sure that we turned the conversation to black lives matter because you can't have one without the other at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's crazy because COVID kind of brought that people first intention. And then this movement was like, if you're really people first, how far are you willing to like prove that you are? And it's so important for like any brand, even I know for like my organization, it was like, it's not just taking a stand. It's like showing people that you're there and you're supporting them. But um, you kind of went into it. How do you think that COVID has affected maybe your overall job? Because I know branding does have to do with like taking images and video. And that has been a big struggle, obviously, with everything happening. So how have you dealt with those challenges? Perfect timing because we're literally in the midst of revising and refining our uh, multimedia strategy right now. In fact, I really just kicked that off today. I mean, yes, obviously, um, you know, a lot of the physical in-person things that we do as a firm are on hold, our events are on hold, everything has gone virtual. I literally spent the entire week last week doing virtual video captures, video shoots through WebEx and Zoom, which I've never done before. It's a brand new thing for me and for my producers and for the cast. But, you know, if anything, it forces you to innovate, it forces you to be creative. And, you know, I think this is going to become a true test, frankly, for brand directors and for creative people like myself to figure out how to really unlock the technologies that we have been investing in for years and years and make sure that the brand infrastructure that we've developed, the messaging that we've developed, the standards that we've developed, the creative intentions that we have planned for and developed stand true regardless of the platform and the process and the particular production logistics, right, that you are now forced to undertake. At the end of the day, your brand should be strong enough and agile and responsive and intuitive and innovative enough to be able to do what it needs to do to get this message across, regardless of whether or not you are in it or out of quarantine. Yeah, a hundred percent. And going into that kind of, I guess, more deeply, how do you think your industry has not only felt, but dealt with that impact of COVID-19, whether it being through innovation, et cetera? I mean, the biggest issue is the fact that, you know, our consultants are primarily working from home. And for an industry like ourselves, which we, you know, most of our clients are in government and intelligence, you know, we've had to come up with innovative solutions, technology solutions to allow us to do our jobs securely where it needs to be particularly secured. So 
we actually recently just launched a whole new product line that we are using, a software basically line that allows us to telework and remote work and collaborate over secure channels and secure networks. And even just today, we just got another email saying that there are going to be other security protocols that we have to integrate into our practice and into our technologies to make sure that we continue to operate with the highest of security with the kinds of clients that we deal with. And I think at the same time, it also acts, um, forces us to examine, you know, how we interact, how intentional we are with our interaction. Um, you know, it used to be that conference calls were just on the phone. Now we are committing ourselves to keeping our cameras open as much as possible. We also understand that that's a strain on a lot of people, right? And so it's already a strain on particularly people who have daycare and home care and childcare issues and dependent care issues, right? Um, that they now have to juggle literally a space where they are both taking care of their work, but also taking care of their families. I mean, that's a huge issue. Yeah. You know? so I think part of that, there's a very much a human aspect here of care that we have to consider. Well, at the same time, it also forces us to reconsider how we continue to service our clients and, cons- and, and continue to exact our work at the same quality, if not greater quality, you know, because it forces us to be really innovative. Yeah, 100%. And kind of going into that, it obviously affects possibly your leadership style and the way that you work with your team. So how has that been impacted also? You. I think once again, it comes back to empathy. I think it's understanding, for example, that like outside of like, you know, the typical stories of kids, you know, interrupting, pets interrupting, you know, mailmen interrupting. I mean, literally just now, I mean, my co-worker's children literally just like ran in and almost spilled juice on his laptop and you had to take care of that. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Or there's like the classic leadership calls where in the background, you know, there's like some shenanigans happening. Like, it's just, I think this is just a new normal that we all just have to yeah. accept and face and you have to start to adapt to it. And as a leader and one's leadership style, I think automatically has to adapt. But I'd like to think that like a lot of people have to have adapted by now um, to get to this point in any career. You know, any good leader has had to adapt several times in their career, several times a year, several times a week, several times a day, right? Especially in complex industries like ours. Right. And I know that you were mentioning before, obviously, everything has altered. Internship programs have like completely shifted. Some companies have completely dismantled theirs, considering they didn't even know how they were going to handle things themselves. So Mm -hmm. a question that I normally ask just out of pure curiosity Mm -hmm. is, how would you handle having an internship program right now for your team? And how would you train them and make sure they get that experience that Mm -hmm. is so important to students nowadays? I mean, I think there's still, you know, the fundamental need to have that professional contract or at least that agreement between the two entities right so like i've managed many interns in my career and you know there's there are formal contracts and formal agreements and formal task orders and formal sort of like you know agreements that are created at the time of application at the time of award at the time of work you know and it's the daily you know social contract that we have as co-workers and it's a, so part of it's been making sure that we are clear on your expectations as an intern, what you want to get out of this, why you applied to begin with, what were the promises that we offered, right? And we mm-hmm. made in the marketing of that internship, you know, that you recognize and you saw that attracted you that we now have to keep ourselves accountable for, you know, to keep. Yeah. And at the same time, how do we create a space of true growth, right, for you, regardless of the kind of environment that we are in right now? Um, while at the same time that you clearly understand what we need from you, right, beyond the deliverables to beyond the the showing up to meetings beyond the specific projects, the level of professionalism, what we expect in terms of, you know, how you 
create deliverables, you know, understanding the culture. Obviously, there's a greater need now to adapt that, you know, to a primary telework experience. But I will also argue that at the end of the day, a lot of our internships were increasingly becoming more remote in telework anyway. Yeah. You know, I think, I think COVID, frankly, just accelerated the inevitable. In fact, I would say my last two interns, for the most part, were remote. Like they, if they came to the office at all, they came to the office once a week or twice a week over the course of the month. And then for those of their internship was primarily over the phone remote with very infrequent sort of visits to clients as needed. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also a silver, silver lining in a way because it gives you so much more openness to different people that you maybe could not have access before if you weren't doing the internship remotely. Like yeah. it opens the door for new talent. So the next question I have for you is actually from another interviewee. And because you were mentioning tech and your interest in it so much, I thought I would ask you this one specifically. Do you believe AI will have a greater effect, like positive effect or negative effect on society? And how do you think we can make it serve a greater source of good than bad? So first thing is always be aware. And I think all of us who have a responsibility to guide and shape technology should always be aware that our biases as human beings, our prejudices, and whether or not they are unconscious or not, will always be reflected in some way, shape, or form in how we shape that. Yeah. So first thing first is being conscious of that, being prepared for that, and working diligently to address that. So whether that's in how you design and who you intentionally design for and making sure that you're designing for all human beings and not just the ones that look like you and have lived life like you, whether it's how you gather data and making sure that you are respecting people's identities and people's identifications and that you are thoroughly cognizant and appreciative of how identity in and of itself is evolving, right? You know, whether that is, you know, gender identity markers and making sure that we start to release ourselves from really restrictive binaries, for example. And then also just understanding who you create that technology with. That you're not just recruiting cisgendered, heterosexual, privileged white men in the creation of technology, which unfortunately is still the majority of the leaders who create technology. But that you are actively recruiting a diverse group of people with diverse experiences that represent the diversity of the clients and customers that you want. So I think if you do that, then technology can be an enabler for good. If you do not do that, then technology, I think, will continue to widen economic, political and social gaps. Yeah. I 100% agree with all of that, especially just because our biases are so easily translated in technology and people don't really understand that until they actually work in that It's a classic story of Instagram filters and the digital camera and the camera itself, right? And how it was tested by white people on white skin and how those of us with darker skin tones and deeper skin tones, like, don't show up on film because there was an inherent bias (laughs) in how film was developed and created. Yeah, it's really unfortunate and hopefully everything going on now will have that impact and change those things for the good because it's so necessary if we're going to keep down this intensive, more tech route. Absolutely. So another question I have from you from another interviewee is what are some fun ways you've adopted your routine now that you're in quarantine that you weren't able to do before? Well, I think the fact that I am working from home which means I have access to my wigs, my makeup, my headdresses, my gowns, as need be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I actually 
do have to get dressed uh, in a couple of minutes because I just realized that I have a four o'clock um, personal branding and authenticity pride event that I have to get into partial drive for. So there's that. But also B, just the fact that, you know, I get opportunities to, you know, be one and intentional with my space as well. Yeah. So I, I get to reflect more of who I am and code who I am in these halls in a way that is frankly easier and more authentic than if I was working out of a more clinical antiseptic corporate space. Yeah. And two more questions for you and then you can go get ready because I know makeup takes <laughs> a long time to do. So yeah, I know how to do a wing eyeliner now in less than five minutes. Oh my God, I, I could never. <laughs> the second to last question I have for you is what question could you give me that I could ask other interviewees I have coming up? I think what you should be asking is, I mean, typical questions is like, what skill sets should I be, you know, should yeah. I be going after? What things in the world, and if I were in your position, what would I want to be exploring? So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's like an easy, off, low-hanging fruit to address. I mean, obviously, you know, data, data science, you know, anything that has to do with understanding, you know, the power, influence um, of data in of itself, whether or not you become a full-fledged data scientist, or at least be fluent. So at least part of it is understanding what kinds of languages or profession or areas of expertise you need to be fluent in. I mean, when I was, uh, you know, starting up in my career, it was definitely digital. Like it's definitely technology. It was the internet. It was like the, it was the birth of the internet and I needed to become very fluent very quickly and not just the technology and the engineering, the mechanics of the internet, but also in the behavioral changes that the internet prompted and created. And understanding what new language was coming out of that, what new, you know, what new abilities you know need to be. So I learned how to code. I learned how to develop agile, um, you know, product development methodologies. I got into design thinking. I got it. So I started to constantly evolve my skill sets to what I knew was developing around me. And I would say for now, it's definitely around data. It's definitely around, you know, if you're looking at marketing. I think really understanding the intersection certainly of social impact, you know, it's certainly the intersection of what it means to not just sell a product, but sell an experience, a brand and understanding and a set of values alongside that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and making sure that as you're examining, you know, marketing, that it's now beyond just the simple act of selling something, that it's really about building a service, a value that people can adopt into their own lives. I think another question should be, you know, who opened these doors for me? What histories exist, you know, for those of us who represent still largely underrepresented minorities in these corporate spaces, I think it's really, really important to understand the history of how any of us who are in these positions was able to get the seats at the tables that we're on. Yeah. So what women, you know, champion the doors for you, you know, what people of color champion the doors, what queer people, you know, open the pathways and respecting that history, understanding what struggles, you know, they went through. Because unfortunately, there's every reason to believe that those struggles are not over and will never be over. And that sometimes those fights rear their heads in new ways, mm -hmm. but the arguments are the same. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like everything ends up coming back to that soul. Thing that dragged it from the beginning so yeah. i'll make sure to add some of those questions into my list and my very last question for you is actually what words of wisdom or advice would you give students like me who lost their internships people that have been furloughed or unfortunately lost their job to the situation all right well 
once again, going back to the question of history, there have been unfortunately recent instances where this has happened. You know, the Great Recession also forced a lot of people to think differently about their job prospects and opportunities. I myself, when I graduated in the early 2000s, it was right around the dot-com bubble bursting. And I myself, you know, had to really question, you know, um, that's why I said I never had an internship is because I couldn't, I couldn't get an internship because all yeah. the tech companies went literally belly up, like at the time that I was looking for an internship. So I applied for work. I literally went straight into the work field and then everyone else around me was starting, starting to get, you know, advanced degrees. So I said, you know what, after four years of working on the job, I am going to go get an advanced degree and that's where I chose to go to Georgetown. I think part of it is A, examining what others have done who've gone through this, you know, and looking if those things are applicable to now. But also B, I think using this as an opportunity, frankly, to, to really be creative and not let it stymie you. Is this an opportunity to build your brand differently? Is this an opportunity to look at, um, you know, different platforms that may not have been seen as important before but are certainly important now like i'll tell you right now like i think you know spending really good time on your digital brand is much more important now more than ever and you probably would not have had frankly the bandwidth the space or the time to do that had you been you know employed in a traditional nine to five eight to ten hour workday internship and now you know you have the opportunity to engage with people like myself you know there's the flexibility fortunately with doing a lot of remote stuff so mm -hmm. i would say i hate the term lean in because it's so overused but lean into all the disadvantages and make those disadvantages advantages yeah i feel like that's what i've decided to like make out of this just leverage my creativity and all the skills i've had over the years made my own website with everything that i've been doing and worked on just to like represent myself digitally so I 100% agree with that. It's it's spurs yeah. creativity and people should take advantage of it. But Absolutely. that was my last question. So thank you so much for jumping on this call with me. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. If you have any further questions, I'm happy to jump on a call, check in on how you're doing, if you have any further questions. And a long story short, that is exactly how my conversation with Michael went. I hope that you were able to learn something new and that you're staying safe and healthy. A quick shout out to Michael. Thank you so much for jumping on that call with me. I know you were very busy and I hope that your Pride event went well. And to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you follow at COVID-19 Internship on Instagram and keep listening because there's so much more coming your way.